Welcome to the Spreading Good Podcast. I'm your host, Jenny Barber, and on this show, I sit down with the heart-centered leaders behind the brands, organizations, movements, and communities intentionally created to spread good. And as always, I am so excited to have you guys back for another episode. I hope you are settling in to 2021. I know that last week I said that at the strike of midnight, I was actually surprised that it felt like it was a little bit lighter, that maybe we are turning a page. And um, then as all of you know, last week, the first week of 2021 happened and there was um, events that had people questioning if it was going to be a repeat. I know that there was this one meme that kind of um, stopped me in my scroll on Instagram and it was of the parent trap with Lindsay Lohan and the meme was of uh, their mom and had like one Lindsay on one hand and one Lindsay on the other hand and she was looking to the right and left and one said 2020 and one said 2021 kind of indicating that they're going to be the same and it stopped me in my tracks just because I'm choosing to not believe that. Um, I believe that last year was an awakening to a lot of change that needs to happen in our communities and in this world. And um, I pray that we have been equipping ourselves and we are being equipped to to make that change. So I am choosing to not believe that it's going to look the same as 2020. I know that last week was um, hard and heavy and um, I'm, I'm definitely not open overlooking that I am just very hopeful for for what's ahead including this week's episode uh this week I have some extra special special guests on the show I have had brand crushes on uh this community and this project called the pastry project and I was so excited to be able to sit down with the founders to hear about their mission and the impact that they're making in the culinary industry it is it is a great one. I can't wait for you guys to hear from Emily Kim and Heather Hodge, who are, like I said, the co-founders of The Pastry Project. And what I found to be so cool about The Pastry Project is it is a social enterprise. And we dig into what exactly this means in the episode. So this social enterprise, The Pastry Project, is dedicated to making pastry education and jobs more accessible to those that need it. The idea for the pastry project sparked while leading the hiring process at Molly Moon's Ice Cream when Heather and Emily realized it was hard to place individuals in the fast-paced kitchen jobs and that there were barriers to entry for many. I'm really excited for you guys to hear how these inspiring leaders have channeled their creativity to create real change in the culinary industry. In this episode, we talk about how standing up for what you believe in can impact another, fighting for fair wages in the culinary industry, how our frustrations may be leaving clues or in their case, pastry crumbs, as to where we are meant to make a difference, what a social enterprise is, and how the pastry project utilizes its funds to create free programs for individuals with barriers, the power of education when it comes to empowering others, the benefits and the challenges when it comes to co-founding a business, and what they believe is key to cultivating a healthy relationship. Warning, 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 warning. Before you tune into this episode, it may leave you with a serious sweet tooth. Personally, I, I don't have that problem because I always have a serious, very serious sweet tooth. But if that is not you, you have been warned. Beware. All right. Grab a cinnamon roll, a cookie, a muffin on this episode of Spreading Good. Here's Emily Kim and Heather Hodge, the founders of The Pastry Project.
Emily, Heather, thank you guys so much for joining me today. I'm so excited to have you on the show. Thank you so much for having us. This is going to be awesome. I was telling you before we hit record that I have had a, a brand crush on you guys for a while. Aesthetically, just gorgeous branding, but uh, what you're creating and the mission that you're on is just, it's its too cool. So I'm so excited to, to jump into that and give everybody a little background on the Pastry Project, which is your, your company that we're going to be chatting about. Um, we are going to take it back though. Before we get into all of that dreaming and all all of the um cinnamon buns i want to take it back and um heather we're going to start with you take me back to when you were younger what uh what was younger heather like and did she have any big dreams to change the world what was she like yeah so young heather was honestly a lot like i am today Um, I was actually telling Emily this the other day. We were just like talking about uh, kind of like what we were like in our youth and stuff like that and regrets that we had and things that we wish that we had not done because we hurt people's feelings and this and that. And um, I was a lot like I am now, which is pretty intense. (laughs) Um, But I think also like really uh, loving and caring and wanting just so much good for everyone in the world. And I think that that's probably what ended up propelling me into where we are today with the pastry project. Um, And I was also extremely obsessed with food as a kid too, both food driven, as in like, I was always really stoked for my next meal or the next time I was gonna get some ice cream or all of those things. but even just, you know, making food in the kitchen and um, that pushed me into culinary school as well, too. So, um, yeah, food lover and just an intense personality. <laughs> well, we see eye to eye on that. I am I'm going to use food driven from now on. I am still food driven. Uh, I don't know about you, but uh, yeah, in every way. Um, what did inspire you to go to culinary school? So I was in my senior year and I had this realization that, you know, I was, I was at the top of my class, very, very passionate just about uh, academia and learning and all of that, even in high school. Um, but I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And um, I realized that uh, the Culinary Institute of America was uh, pretty close to where I grew up in upstate New York. Um, so I started looking into it and realized like, oh my God, this is, this is my dream schooling situation. It's like Harry Potter, but for, you know, baking and pastry or for culinary. And, um, that was the only school I applied to and I got in and that's where I went. That's extra special. Cause at, at 18, not many, you don't hear that many stories of people going straight. You did go straight from high school too. Okay. Yep. Yeah, that that's awesome. You almost feel like you hear more. It's even for me is post college. You're like, wait, I'm food driven. I love this. Now let's go back to school. So that's awesome. You were inspired that young. Did you do the culinary program baking program? Was it a hybrid? I did the baking and pastry program. And it was actually kind of hard for me to decide which one because I loved both aspects. I actually I tell people this all the time. I actually cook more than I bake just in life. Um, 
but baking and pastry was the right fit for me because I really loved the math and science and all of that that went into creating a, a perfect thing. Um, you really do have to have the perfect ratios and everything for uh, to have a consistent product for baking and pastry. So um, uh, that just intrigued me. So I went down that path and it was definitely the right fit. It was like the most fun years of my life. I would go back a million times over, except for my student loans. <laughs> Amen. I, I went to a it was not a full course. It wasn't a full culinary school. Um, it, it was school, but I went to get into like food media. And so it was just one day a week for six months. And I always tell people the same as you, if I could just stay in culinary school and get paid and that was my job forever, that's what I would do. I would just what continue and just stay in culinary school. Um, but yeah, I eventually have to pay for it and get out and, and do something else. So that is so cool. I, I am interested um, as we continue the conversation to hear if you're very like detail-oriented math brain. Emily, I want to hear more now about you, but is if there's a balance, I'm, I'm sure we'll figure this out. But um, Emily, tell me a little bit about younger Emily. What was she like? And any big dreams to change the world? Um, very interested in like, and actually in baking and stuff, but that's because my mom, so we, I was raised for a lot of my childhood by just my mom with my brother, and she baked all the time. So um, she's, was always kind of like an example for me. She also volunteered all the time, even though like, I don't even know how she did it looking back because I'm like, how did you have the time? She was like working and going to school and like raising us, but we would, she would deliver groceries to like people at home. She would volunteer at food banks. And that's kind of why I do that now. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, so I guess, I don't know. I always look to her as an example of how to be. Um, I have always been interested in giving back in um, pastry, like baking and pastry in particular. And then, um, yeah, just kind of like, and learning, like Heather was saying, I mean, like I've always been interested in learning. I mean, I went to school and then to school and then to school. So I, I couldn't stop. Um, but yeah. What did you go to school and then to school and then to school for? So I went to school for, um, I went to, to UW for journalism and political science. And then I went to law school and then I did a master's in law. So I went for like an extra year and studied um, intellectual property. Um, yeah. And did you do anything in law after school? No, not really. So I ended up in my last year when I was studying um, IP stuff, I was living in Washington, D.C. And so I ended up getting a clerkship at the Federal Communications Commission. And so I was there for about a year just doing a lot of research. And um, I was interning or clerking for a commissioner. So I would go to a lot of meetings with her and um, I would go with her staff to a lot of community meetings, uh, mostly around like community focused uh, radio stations and people wanting to make sure that they could stay on air and or get a new um, station established and for all like very small like community uh, community based groups. And I just thought it was so interesting. And I loved going to those meetings and I loved talking to people about what they were um, needing in their community and um, how they used these things to um, connect with everybody. And I just kind of got a little bit of a policy bug, I think, and thought, oh, well, maybe writing policy and writing the laws and really thinking about that and how everything starts and shaping stuff is more interesting to me than actually dealing with it after the fact. Um, 
And so then I moved back to Seattle and got a job at Seattle City Council, kind of getting to do a lot of the same stuff and then ended up at Molly Moons after that. So, Wow, that is quite the journey and the pivot because Molly Moon is an ice cream. I want you guys to explain exactly what it is. I've, I've been there a few years ago, delicious ice cream, but what brought you there? That's a pretty big shift. Yeah, it like sounds like it, but then it's not when you, when I um, like explain the dots and connect them. But um, because when I like Molly, the owner of Molly Moons is super um, politically active, super progressive, a really big advocate for things like, uh, well, for workers' rights and small business um, advocacy and things like that. And so her name popped up around City Hall all the time and she would come and be at big community meetings and things like that. And so I kind of knew about her and her company uh, while I was working at the city. And then when a job popped up um, for a community relations coordinator, which is what I started as kind of working on the nonprofit that she was forming and community, um, community connecting and things like that. Um, I thought I wanted to work there. So, so cool. Okay. That does make sense. Um, and then Heather, how did you end up at Molly moon? Cause this is where you guys met, correct? Yeah. So, um, I, uh, had been living in Seattle for just a couple of years, had moved here from the East coast and, um, uh, for the last couple of years before I moved to Seattle, I was kind of jumping around industry jobs in kind of the classic way of like, I need money. I have to pay off my student loans. I actually can't afford to be a baker. So I'm going to work as a personal chef and as a bartender and as a fine dining server. And so I did that um, uh, kind of all over the East Coast and then moved out to Seattle and was like, OK, I'm going to go back into baking. I'm going to make my $12 an hour, which is poverty wages, and I'm going to see if I can survive. Well, the truth of the matter is you really can't live off of $12 an hour because it's poverty wages. And so um, I saw that Molly Moons was paying their entry-level ice cream makers $15 an hour, and I decided to apply for a job there and uh, got the job was very clear in my interview that I had no intention of staying as an um, ice cream maker forever. And I had plans to work my way up in the company. And um, I actually just left a couple of weeks ago um, and was the culinary director for the company, managed all culinary operations for our nine shops and wholesale program and all of that. Um, had honestly just a, a amazing and challenging experience at Molly Moons, um, in a company where the owner is very open to uh, hearing uh, what employees have to say and, and what's important to employees. And I pushed the company really hard, along with many other people, to steadily increase wages for kitchen workers um, and left the company with staff making a ton more than they made when, um, when I first started. And it really was kind of like this thing from the heart that was like, wait a minute, like we can't live off of these $12 an hour wages, you know, how yeah. are you going to follow your passion in the industry if you can't even afford to pay your bills? And so, um, yeah, that was kind of the Molly Moon's experience. And again, actually, maybe we just jump back really quick. Molly Moon's because we didn't really talk about what it is. Molly Moons is this amazing ice cream company. 
in Seattle. We've got a bunch of locations and um, they have really, really great ice cream. That's all about like doing classic flavors, super delicious, like a homemade cookies and cream and uh, salted caramel and this really rich melted chocolate. Um, it's great ice cream. Yeah, I think I remember what I had there. It was like this super classic Sunday. I don't, I don't really remember what it was called, but I remember the mound of like whipped cream on top, and I think there was like the classic cherry. Um, so yeah, that's that's amazing. You could tell that the passion even just went up ten notches when you're talking about how fighting for um, the wages to be increased. If we are in person, I give you a big hug because I think that's amazing, and I know that that is a a struggle in in that industry. Um, so this sparked something for the both of you, and this is leads you into creating the pastry project. How did that spark and how did that conversation between the both of you start to where you got to the point where like, let's do something about this and we can do something even outside of the walls of Molly Moon? I'll start kind of from the beginning of like, of our kind of like equity and hiring work at Molly Moons. And so that, that started about three years ago. And um, what that meant was that Molly and the whole leadership team really wanted to be intentional around how we were doing our hiring and uh, how we were doing our recruiting and um, just think about it in different ways and, um, and you know, recruit and retain a more diverse um, workforce. And so uh, part of that work was partnering with a lot of local um, nonprofits in community organizations to offer our jobs because, like Heather said, to offer the Molly Moon's jobs and have great benefits of 100% paid healthcare, um, transit stipends, uh, paid uh, parental leave before it was required by the state and um, just all of these things on top of good wages to uh, people that really might need a great job with good wages and benefits. And so in partnering with all of those organizations and trying to offer those jobs to folks that might need it, we found that it was a lot easier to be able to place someone that might apply that was referred to us um, in a front of house job. So scooping ice cream, um, potentially as a shift leader, uh, because you didn't really need a lot of, of other experience. Um, you could have pretty basic experience for that. But to get into our kitchens, especially because they're so busy during the summer, which is mm -hmm. when we're really hiring, you had to have at least a little bit of kitchen experience and you know pastry experience and things like that. And so there was a little bit of a disconnect in terms of um, what kinds of jobs we could really offer people. And we talked about it a lot and just kind of looked around Seattle, which is where we're based and looked to see if anyone was really offering training that might be able to help people get over that hump of not having the right uh, pastry experience to be able to jump into Molly Moon's or another bakery in Seattle. And there were a lot of culinary programs, but not pastry programs. And so we just started talking about it and decided to create our own. And that's how it started. And so what you created was the pastry project. Give me background. Um, what is it? Share with our audience. It is, it's so cool. I'm excited to hear more about it. What are you guys doing at the pastry project? Yeah, so our mission of the Pastry Project is to provide free baking and pastry training to individuals with barriers to opportunity and um, including education and jobs in the industry. And so uh, we decided to create a social enterprise with the Pastry Project where we would um, have all of these different facets that would help fund this free uh, training program. 
and uh, we had our pilot program uh, one year ago, um, which went really great. And we placed a couple of students in great jobs in uh, Seattle. And then we built out this beautiful space here in Pioneer Square. And we have four students that are ready to go with uh, the, the next for the next cohort. We're just kind of waiting out some COVID stuff right now. Um, but we're so excited to start teaching them. And um, like I said, we fund the program through a lot of a, a lot of different um, revenue streams, including um, our goodie box memberships. Uh, that's something where folks in the Seattle community can sign up for a membership and um, come once a month to pick up some really delicious pastries. Um, next week, I is one of our goodie box pickup days. I think that we're going to have um, some vanilla scones and passion fruit curd. That's going to be a really tasty uh, kind of January wintry box. Um, and then we have our pastry kit subscri subscription where we ship the ingredients needed for a really delicious recipe anywhere in the country. We do that once a month too. And then we have our uh, bun bun pop-ups that we started <laughs> doing, our cinnamon roll pop-ups. And honestly, we're just continuing to look mm. into ways that we can, oh, and of course our classes, our virtual classes, which will also be uh, in person um, once COVID allows for that. Um, but we're just constantly looking for new opportunities to continue to provide free education um, to folks who are excited about baking and pastry. So we're looking into some new options this year for continuing um, with you know our our mission and our foundation of education first and foremost we make delicious things but but really more than anything we want people to learn amazing things and and how to uh, be empowered in the kitchen and make stuff that is going to uh, make themselves and their loved ones feel awesome when they enjoy it it sounds like you both are just very passionate about education and it's obviously um, manifested into what you guys are creating i want to touch on a, a couple amazing points that you just made. Um, can you explain to the audience a little bit what a social enterprise is? Yeah, it's kind of a funny word. I mean, we were actually just talking about this today. So I think that social enterprise is used in a lot of different ways. Like it can refer to a nonprofit that also has basically a business um, that helps to helps fund some of it. And but they also still get a lot of money from grants and the government and things like that. But it can also refer to a business whose core mission is really a social impact mission. Uh, and that they use uh, their profits to fund that mission, but it's still a business. And so, and we're the latter. So we are a business, we are officially a social purpose corporation. And so that just means that uh, what I just said, our core mission is a social impact mission and to be able to provide free baking and pastry training to individuals with barriers and then use our revenue streams to put back into the program. Um, so that that's what a social enterprise is. It's so smart to me. It makes so much sense in my mind. Um, and then I just think that the way that you guys are creatively doing it with the goodie boxes and I mean, really anywhere in the United States, I could be a part of and support the pastry project because you guys also send out and right now your classes are virtual. So um, just the way you've been innovative and it's inspiring. Um, the other thing that I wanted, I definitely don't want to gloss over this is your the programs that this money is raising is raising funds to to execute. It's 14 weeks. Tell me what that entails. So if you get to be a part of the pastry project 14 week program, um, what what happens in those 14 weeks? 
Yeah. So um, if you're a part of the pastry project program, you come once a week for a full day for 14 weeks to learn so many of the in-demand skills that are needed to get a job in the industry. So for example, we start with the super basics, the creaming method, which is the method that's used in um, a lot of cookie recipes, cakes. Um, uh, so we start there and we work our way all through uh, quick breads like scones and biscuits. We um, make tarts. We uh, will do yeasted breads. Um, we'll do pat like making cream puffs. And then these goodie box days, they really serve as, um, and this is an additional day that students come in for, um, they really serve as an opportunity for students to focus on high volume production because um, in the industry, that's all well and good that you can make some of these things, but you do need to have some experience um, understanding, oh, hey, we've got a deadline to fulfill all of these things. And so we're going to focus on, um, you know, executing this and multitasking and working as a team to complete that team's goal. And so that was a really fun way to just incorporate, hey, we need to do this, um, this high volume production and a way for the community to, to get involved and, and see what students are working on and making. And so students work on all of those, um, those skills that um, are needed for jobs in the industry. And then some other things that can be glossed over at times are, um, uh, is really the importance of professional skills, soft skills, um, making sure that students understand the importance of coming to work on time, professional and effective communication, um, really just setting up students for being in the workforce, um, whether this is their first time in the workforce or maybe they've had past careers and, and, and they're transitioning. Um, they're in kind of like this transitional phase in life. Um, um, we really want to make sure that they're set up to be able to be be a great employee in, in the industry and um, feel really proud of, of, you know, where they're at. So there's a ton that's learned there. And then also we, we teach them some kitchen math as well to make sure that um, they're able to scale recipes properly once they get into the kitchen, because that is something that will happen a lot. I'm curious, um, Heather, this question's for you is... It seems like the the program that you have might be a little more intimate than the traditional culinary school setting. Do you think that there's benefits of the pastry project program? And maybe because like you guys are involved with community as well, like they're giving back to their community and serving and baking for them. Um, what is the elements or kind of like the special magic that you say that happens at the pastry program that not to put down a regular culinary program, but I think that there's, I'm guessing there's some special sauce and magic that comes out of it. So um, what would you say that is? Yeah, I think definitely the intimacy of a smaller cohort. Um, it brings the team together in uh, a really special way. Um, and then on top of that, these individuals are getting this attention um, where I'm able to kind of flutter around the kitchen the whole day and see how things are going and um, and make, making sure that they feel supported. Whereas in, in another program, you may be kind of just scooting along on your own throughout the program, but these individuals are really supported to um, to make sure that they're, they're working on something and getting it right. And if they mess up, we make sure that they, we, we build in some time so that they can try it again and, and get to the point where they feel confident in that those methods that they're working on. Um, and I think that that's, 
that's really important. In large classrooms, you're just you're not going to get the same attention to detail around learning as we could do in a small team. And those teams also feel really relevant to the baking and pastry industry as well. A lot of baking and pastry teams are fairly small. Sometimes they're just a team of one in a lot of places. Um, so there's there's really a lot there with the with the small groups. And I think it's special. Like our first cohort, they just uh, they just loved each other so much by the end. And these again, these are individuals who have barriers to opportunity in the industry. Um, and that can look so many different ways, but really bringing together individuals um, who uh, are stoked about this and they get to connect over that. And maybe they come from really varying backgrounds. Um, so it's really cool to see. That That's amazing. I can see how they're coming out with these skills to go into the workforce. What else would you say that maybe we can't see behind closed doors, what other things are they coming out with? Yeah. So what I wanted to add to kind of what Heather was saying in terms of like um, the small, smaller group is that it was really amazing to get to know each person on like a personal level and like get to know their personality. And like that allowed us to be able to really help them improve in really specific ways. And so we had like meetings that we kind of called like area of opportunity meetings where we sat down and just talked about like how amazing they were doing and how they could improve in this particular way. And it was really specific to each student. And like after those meetings, they really took them to heart and you could see the improvement um, being made and them really trying. Um, Maybe it was around communicating more clearly in the kitchen or maybe it was around just taking time to like, you know, um, not react um, react so fast to something and really think about something. Um, and so I thought that was really, really great. Um, and then other little things were we, you know, sat down and went over resumes with them. We sat down and, um, literally went through job descriptions with them, helped them apply to, um, jobs. And then we also got to take them on field trips. So we got to go visit hiring partners and we got to go, um, last year we went to visit the lady yum kitchen and their head chef welcomed us into the kitchen and they make these really beautiful, um, macaroons and entremet and like use, um, the crazy blast chiller that Heather really wants, um, (laughs) to freeze their cakes really fast and then use mirror glaze over them. They're just so beautiful. And it was stuff that our students hadn't really seen or tried before. And so we got to go just try a bunch of stuff and Mm -hmm. also see how it was made. And I thought that was really special and really, um, really fun. A very immersive experience. And then, oh, it sounds like you guys kind of have a it's like a little family. Um, and you guys are mentoring them in more ways than one. So that that's awesome. Um, my next question is a lot of people on the show, it's it's a single person. It's the it's the founder of fill in the blank. You guys are co-founders, partnership. Um, what has been the benefits and also some challenges in bringing a dream to life as a duo? <laughs> uh Emily and I are like personality wise, we may be polar opposites, but we have the same values. So like when it comes down to our mission and our goals and the good that we want to do and the people we want to serve and um, how we can um, build something that's amazing for other people and our own lives, like our values are the same. Um, and we are very fortunate where that is not something that we have 
like that's not an area that we've tripped up on. Um, and because we are such different individuals, we're able to bring like kind of like my extreme intense operations mind and Emily's like genius uh, creative mind together to do things that are really exciting. And I like, I couldn't do everything that we do on my own and come up with all of these things. And I could have never done this on my own. Like literally we balance each other out so well in terms of um, our skill sets. It's crazy. Like, mm -hmm. I don't think it's like the best um, company that it can be because of both of us and what we bring. And we are so different, but like Heather said, we have um, like, I just say we have like different brains, but the same heart. So it really works and mm -hmm. it's been great but you know then we are super different so communication sometimes is tough and like but because we have the same values mm -hmm. and um the same heart like we always want to you know be the best that we can to each other and talk everything out and make sure we're always on the same page and so mm -hmm. that is something we are always doing yeah yeah it's kind of actually like so it's so interesting to think about it because like at the end of the day we both want the same thing but because we both communicate in such different ways, sometimes it takes us a long time to be like, wait a minute, we're not on the same page. And then at the very end, we're like, we are on the same page. Why did it take us so long to get there? Um, but it's really like, it's just our brains working in different ways. And it's just simply that different. So it can be really, really challenging. I definitely wouldn't want like other co-founders out there to be like, these people are perfect and happy and all of this stuff. That is not, that is not like, that is not our reality, but Emily and I are here for it. Like this is a work marriage and we put in the work to grow. Like we are just in a constant place of growth with communication. Mm -hmm. It is going to make us that much better com like communicators for our future, for our students, for everything that we're trying to build. Mm -hmm. And it just, Every time we come up with a challenge, it's so amazing to have someone who you can be like, oh my God, we're not in this alone. Like, okay, mm -hmm. let's talk through this communication and figure out what are we going to say to these people? Um, we have this conflict. How do we want to move forward? Not being alone in that yeah. is like just a dream. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. I mean, communication is, you guys are really taking it on like it's a relationship. Any other relationship. And I think that a takeaway is obviously communication, treat it like a relationship and that you don't have to be exactly like the other person. If anything, it's working out for you guys that you balance each other out, but it's really that, that big picture vision dream. If you're on the same page there, then, and just kind of like have an open heart that it can evolve and grow. And, and that's really like the way that you guys are making it work. That's that's awesome. Um, I am, I'm curious, why do you guys think, cause you've been in the food industry for a while now you are, you've gotten super close to employees and systems and you know how it works. Um, why do you think this industry is so great for and creating opportunities to create change? That's a really good question. I mean, we talk about this all the time and we've been talking about little things in particular over the last few weeks in terms of like this industry in particular has so much opportunity to get better and, you know, change is starting to slowly happen. 
but it takes a lot of pushing and pushing and pushing to not only, you know, raise the minimum wage or raise wages um, past the minimum wage to actually a living wage in a city like Seattle, but, um, you know, to provide benefits to employees. I mean, like a job should provide a good wage and benefits. Like Mm -hmm. that's just how it should be. And a lot of, you know, the restaurant industry kind of is like lagging behind in that. And so we've been talking about that a lot. And we've been talking about how, how it's so crazy that when COVID started, it was like, you know, businesses just immediately started going out of business. And wait, why did that happen? Like, why is the profit margin so slim? Um, Why, like overnight, can an industry basically start dying? And we just started talking about like, why are things priced the way that they are? Why do people think that they should only have to pay this much for something? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, how do you change that mindset? How do you change, get it so that everybody together can, you know, like lift each other up and raise prices and like mm-hmm. feel like it's normal to charge that so that you can pay your employees a living wage and give them benefits and things mm-hmm. like that. And also make money for your business so that you can have savings um, mm-hmm. and not be in a bad position when something crazy happens. Mm-hmm. And we've been talking about that a lot and just trying to figure out how we can be a part of that movement. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, so that's something. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the food industry, the baking and pastry industry, I think is such a catalyst for stuff like that because everyone loves food. Mm-hmm. Like it's such a cliche, but everyone loves to eat. Like, mm-hmm. Like, we're all food-driven people, you know? (laughs) Like, we want that cinnamon roll. It looks amazing. (laughs) So I think it is kind of like this really cool catalyst um, or liaison for for being like, oh, that's a cool cinnamon roll. And, oh, this place actually does something really interesting in the community. And just starting to have people kind of think a little bit more about Food, not just being like, I want food. I'm going to go get food. It's like, no, there are people working in these kitchens so hard. They deserve to have, like Emily said, a living wage and benefits and all of those things. And thinking a little bit more about, um, you know, you love that thing. Great. You have to pay for it. Like you are going to have to pay for it and support it if you want it to stay. And um, hopefully that'll be enough to like the delicious food that people are making in in the communities and in our community. Um, I think, you know, there really does have to be an awakening there. Um, But food is a great catalyst for it. Um, And it just affects so many people. I couldn't agree more. Amen to everything you guys just said. And what I love what you guys are doing is from what I can see, you're, it's like you're humanizing a cinnamon bun. So instead of me just getting a, Believe me, when I look at your guys' Instagram, I could drool on the screen. Like it is like these things, give me a chocolate orange cinnamon bun. And I also want the pecan caramel one. Like I'm coming to Seattle this year. It's happening. But (laughs) it's when I know there's a story behind it and I know whose hands are making it, it's um, at least for me, and I I can't be alone in this, is what you guys are charging. It's just like this full circle story of, you know, yes, I want that cinnamon bun, but it's almost like you're telling, you're just telling a story of, um, 
beyond even like the ingredients, you're taking a step further. Who's using the ingredients to, to bring this to life. So I love everything you just said. And I agree that the food industry, even if it is, we got a little while to go and there, we have to do a lot of pushing. Mm -hmm. I'm grateful for uh, people like you guys in the space who are willing to stand up and, and push for it because I think it does bring people together. I think that um, the way that you are gathering people and making it a community effort is the way that we're going to be able to push that forward. So I'm grateful for you guys. Thank you so, so much for what you're doing. Um, and I do have one more question for you guys before, before I let you go. And it's, it's for each of you separately, but you can see from the outside looking in, I can tell the impact that you guys are creating and, uh, for your students, for your community, even for the partners that you're bringing in to be able to get involved, um, in your whole program. That that is obvious and and such a beautiful thing. How has it most changed you? I mean, I think one of the things that I don't know if this is answering the question, but um, all of the things that you just touched on, like from the beginning of this project, we have gotten so much amazing community support, support from our neighbors, support from our neighborhood, support from friends and family and just people reaching out to us. And it has just been so amazing to see like how people want to support us and our students and one another and all of that. And it, it like blew our minds. And so that has been something we're just so appreciative. We're so grateful. We want to give back even more. So like, we're just always thinking of, well, how can we actually give back more to our neighborhood, more to other um, nonprofits, not just to our program. Um, so we have some really exciting um, mini programs coming up. Um, one of them we're calling baking for good, which is a monthly um, a bake that we do for a nonprofit in our community and just um, giving them um, something that they want or need. And our first one is the Chief Seattle Club, which is our neighbor in Pioneer Square. And we're going to um, bake 300 brownies for them um, at the end of January for one of their big meals and things like that. So I think it has just shown us that there really are such supportive, amazing people out there. And we want to be even more supportive and giving than we even originally thought. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh man, honestly, I think looking at the past couple of years and everything that Emily and I have put into this project, it's funny because just a couple of minutes ago, we were talking about how it's like, if you want something, you have to pay for it. And I've never sort of looked at my life and, and I, I hope that other people um, also feel this way, at least at times, but um, I've never really looked at my life and felt life is not all about uh, money and the work grind. Like Emily and I have never taken a dime. We've never paid ourselves. We are hoping that this year, maybe we can, but all of the hard work that we've put into this, it doesn't matter. It still feels worth it. Like it still feels like everything that we're doing is worth it. And I would teach our students for free for the next five years if that's what we had to do. So yeah, it's like life is actually, <laughs> it's actually more than just like, 
it's more than just money and the work grind. Like you have to build in amazing things in your life that fulfill you. And we hope to do that with the pastry project. You will. I, I believe in you. It sounds like it's filling you guys up with the good stuff. Um, the stuff that really matters that that's awesome. Um, I do, I said the last question, but now, uh, Emily, when you said that there's more coming the last, the really, I promise the last question is, um, get us excited for 2021. What do you guys have in store? What can you share with us? What do we expect to see from the pastry project? Yeah. So let's see some really fun things. Ooh, I'm so excited about this. We actually just decided on this and I I can't give too many details, but, um, the other day, which is, um, our next set of classes and we have really kind of just gone back to the basics, but in a really fun way in terms of like what we want to teach people this year and not our students, um, but the, the community, the public, the paid classes that will fund our program. And so we have a really, really fun lineup that we're going to announce soon. Mm-hmm. So excited. Mm-hmm. Heather's very excited. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, so that's something that's really cool. And then we are planning some more regular pop-ups so that people can actually come try our stuff on a more regular basis. And um, we kind of want to build that program. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, like I said, giving back more. Uh and ooh, our online content. I don't yeah, know if other ones I, to talk about that, but I, yeah, I, I won't go too too much into detail. But um, because Emily and I are like, this is a huge project for this year. Um, we are uh, looking into new ways to get um, uh, baking and pastry related uh, content out there. Uh, that anyone can access anywhere in the world. Uh, so I'll say that it's going to be a little bit of video. It's going to be a decent amount of writing as well. So there's some really, really interesting stuff coming up in 2021 that folks can access and uh, immerse themselves even more into the baking and pastry industry. Awesome. Well, I cannot wait to see what all that entails. And hey, maybe even take a class. You guys are inspiring, incredible. Uh, This has been amazing. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. Thanks for having having us. And thank you to all of you for tuning in and listening. If Emily and Heather's story resonated with you, if it inspired you, if you think that someone else would benefit from hearing about the mission and the incredible work that they're doing at The Pastry Project, please share this episode. That is the easiest and the best way to support the show right now. And of course, if you have not already, join the fam on Instagram. That is where we'll be continuing the conversation. All right. Thanks again for tuning in. My name is Jenny Barber. I am your host, and I will see you guys next week.